Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitramelides, I'm here uh, with Sydney, Sid Lowe. Hello Sid. Hello Phil, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? I feel like you might be <gasps> falling out of love with Spanish football. <laughs> Is this possible? Well, this weekend was pretty awful, to be perfectly honest, wasn't it? Dear listeners, we've been doing this a long time. We don't lie to you. We tell you the truth. It's not fake news. It wasn't great this weekend. No, I mean, it, I, I, it wasn't great. I, I did reach the point, certainly on Saturday night after the Getafe Atletico game, and even actually a little bit after the derby, because the derby was okay in patches, but not great. And I thought, oof, that's a weekend thrown away. Yes. And, and not only that, but of course, I'm in the, I don't know if it's the unenviable position or the very enviable position of having to write about this on a Monday morning. Yes. And late last night, I was thinking, right, so... um. What happened this weekend? <laughs> Nothing that's worth writing about, which of course became the thing that I wrote about. It was just the, that sense that, because I don't know about you, and I don't know if this is me projecting too much and it's about myself and, and it's about this weekend and, and, and so on, but I feel like quite a lot of the season's been like this. Mm. We haven't had the drama of previous seasons that there's been, when teams go into the lead, you feel like they're not necessarily going to get caught unless they're playing Real Madrid. Um, you feel like no one is playing particularly brilliant football. You feel like games are not very dramatic. You, there's a bit of me that thinks that these are some of the things that maybe the yeah, pandemic has done. Sid, man, you, you, you're killing us here, man. I know. <laughs> Don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> now, keep listening because there's always things for us to talk about. Uh, there are always things for us to talk about and things will get a little bit better. But as it said, match day it 27. Was wasn't it? Who yes. told us that they could only get better? Yeah, they, they didn't. But yeah, uh, match day 27, uh, <laughs> Friday night, it was a Valencia derby and it's all Levante beat Valencia by a goal to nil. Uh, one of our patrons told us that he, he looked this up and Levante have never finished above Valencia. Ever. Right, I did not know that. I mean, we said the Ever. other day that we thought it might be 60, 70 years. Didn't realise they never had. They've never done it, uh, according to one of our patrons. So they are on course to do it at the moment. Uh, Saturday saw Alaves and Cadiz play out a 1-1 a draw with uh, a penalty each for uh, two sides. Not much happened in that game other than that. Uh, Real Madrid came from behind to be Elche 2-1 at home. Uh, it was not a good game, but Real Madrid scored in the 91st minute. The winner, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant goal from Karim Benzema following a, uh, a very inventive assist from Rodrigo. Uh, then after that, Osasuna nil via the lead nil. You watched that, Sid. You also I watched did watch it, yeah. Getafe nil. Atletico Madrid nil, but it was a, a big result there at the at the top of the table. Atleti dropping points again. They are beginning to feel the pressure. Uh, Sunday saw uh, Celta Vigo and Athletic draw nil nil. Granada they scored a goal. They a beat, fluke deflection. A fluke deflection. <laughs> they beat La Real by a goal to nil. Oh, there were four goals here. Uh, Abel one, Villarreal three. And Gerald Moreno was brilliant. A hat-trick of assists for um, arguably Spain's best striker. Then El Gran Derby, the Seville derby, finished 1-0 to Sevilla. Uh, Yusuf Nasiri scoring his 14th league goal of the season. We've got Barca playing tonight, uh, Monday Night Football for the Catalans. They're playing Huesca and if they win, they move to within four points of Atletico Madrid. Atleti, who had a 10-point lead at the top of the table not so long ago. After had... the Cardiff game, wasn't it, I think? 10 points and the game in and hand, game I believe. In hand. Yeah. It's been whittled down and if Barca win tonight against the bottom club, 
at the camp now, which they really should, it'll be four points. And we've got a title race, even if no one's playing particularly well and all the games are boring. But we've got a title race. We have. All and right. that is exciting. Good. Um, obviously, we definitely usually start with the Seville derby. Mm. Um, we're going to still start with the Seville derby. But it's the third time we've had this fixture now without fans, because it was the first fixture back mm. after... After the, uh, the, the the lockdown, and it, I mean, possibly more than any other fixture in Spanish football, you miss fans so so much. Yeah, don't take this the wrong way, those of you who support Sevilla and Betis. Uh, although actually, you might take this as a huge compliment of yourselves, if not of your teams. But the reason the Seville the Seville derby is so big, the reason it's so significant, the reason it's so much fun is not because of the players that have played for these two clubs, albeit there have been some very good players who have played for these two clubs. It's not because these are huge clubs. They've only won the league, I think, once each. Um, although, obviously, severe in Europe and European football in recent years have been very, very good indeed. It was quite a big game in the sense that Sevilla have fourth place and it felt like maybe Betis could actually have a charge at that final Champions League position, certainly a European position at the end of the season. But it's really about the occasion, this game. And I think if there is a game, and this obviously leads you leads me to why this is what I ended up kind of focusing on at, yeah. the, end of the, at the end of a very dull weekend. If there is a game that symbolises more than anything else why one year and one day after the announcement of the state of emergency in Spain, which was on the 13th of March last year, this game was on the 14th of March this year. If there's a game that symbolises what you lose without fans, it's probably this one. Mm. And this wasn't a great derby. And look, I don't want to go too far in saying it's because there's no fans, because obviously we've seen some bloody awful derbies before with fans there. It's possible that at times we think the football is better than it is because everything that goes around it. But it is also true, and this is partly conditioned by a conversation that we talked about last week that I had with Arasate recently, that not having fans impacts on the purely footballing side of things as well and there are some teams and some players that are not playing the same way as they did with fans there okay so it wasn't a brilliant spectacle it wasn't awful in fairness no. at least in the first half Betis tried to play quite high they tried to push, push Sevilla back but in truth in terms of good chances in the game not much. A really important win for Sevilla, of course, mm. who had seen their season slip away in the space of uh, a few weeks. They'd lost four of the last five games. Uh, I think it was five out of six, actually, wasn't it? They went out um, of the Champions League to Borussia Dortmund, went out of the Copa del Rey to Barcelona. They'd lost ground as well on in, in, in fourth spot. They'd lost their lead, but they won. They now do look pretty nailed on for fourth spot. They're six points ahead of La Real yeah. with a game in hand as well. So not just... Which they play against Elche this week, I think, isn't it? Is that right, on Wednesday? Ah, yes. I think so. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. Yes. Uh, so really important for them to to get back in the, in the swing of things, really, after having seen their season sort of fall apart. Because we expected them to go through in, yeah. the, in the Copa del Rey once they'd won the first leg against Barcelona and they didn't. We expected big things of them going into the tie against Dortmund and that was promptly trampled all over by, by Haaland. So to, to see them win the derby and to consolidate fourth spot yeah. is very important. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I actually thought that, you know again, this filters in to this whole idea of the impact of the pandemic. It's very interesting listening to Joanne Jordan after the game, which it always is. And he was asked about this um, and well first of all by the way Sergio Canales was asked about the, the game and the performance and the score and he said well the truth is they've beaten us 1-0 by doing very little and mm. actually that's fundamentally the story of this game mm. um, but what Joanne Jordan said which I thought was very interesting he said, he said look there were moments when we didn't know 
or we didn't press as we would like, we didn't push as hard as we'd like, partly maybe because of a lack of decision, which isn't really decision, uh, I suppose determination you'd call it maybe, or, or, or willingness maybe, he said, but also there's fatigue. And he said, and I say this now, I want to say this now that we've won, because if I say it when we lose, it sounds like mm -hmm. an excuse. He said, but it was 15 days holiday in the summer, it's two years competing at a very high level, and those two years almost back to back, because there's no gap between them. And he said, and there is fatigue. And I think, I think Sevilla right. played 14 more games than Betis this yeah, season. Yeah, it's something like that. It's very high. Yeah. Um, obviously, they got further in the cup, and of course, they've had European football as well. They're the team in Spain, I think, that's played the most games except for Granada, yeah. um, because I think they played one round of Europe, uh, one round rather of. No, they must have played the same as Madrid and Barcelona. Oh, except they've played both of their games now. Madrid and Barcelona yeah. haven't, so they will have played more than Madrid and Barcelona as well. Um, and so it's natural that they would be in that position where there was a slight sense of, of, of things slipping away. So I think you're right. Very, very important for them just to kind of reaffirm their ownership, if you like, of fourth place. The match winner was Sevilla's top scorer, Yusuf Nassiri. Mm. Where, where do we stand on him? He, he nearly left, didn't he, to yeah. go to West Ham. Do we see him staying at Sevilla? Is he going to move on? Is he worth as much I, money as, as, as they were asking for? I think that's the question. I think the question is, what kind of offer do they get for him? Mm. Because as we know, look, Sevilla, starting point here, Sevilla are a club who, unlike most clubs, have made a virtue of sales. Yeah. You know, players go and it's not a trauma. Players yeah. go and it's not a, how dare you let this guy go and this is going to destroy us. And including really good players and, put bluntly, better players than Endesiri. Now, I think Endesiri is a, a very, very good athlete. I think he's getting much, much better technically. I think he really has improved enormously from that point of view. I think his finishing is much better than it was. Uh, I think he's been really, really good this season. But I think if there was a very big offer, there's absolutely no doubt they would look at it. Mm. No doubt at all. Particularly if, because I think they, they look at it from a long-term point of view, if it prevents them from having to sell someone, because every year their model is built in the idea that you sell. If it prevents them, say for argument's sake, from having to sell um, Kunde, then great. And I think that's part of the thinking. Obviously, do you necessarily get a better strike than him? No. Even if you buy one who, on, in theory, is better because you've then got to fit them in. His redevelopment as a striker, them finding a role from giving him the space. He's good running in, in, into, into gaps beyond the fences. He's less good, obviously, at holding the ball than Luke de Jong is. Yes. Um, but he took it brilliantly. That said, it was the second time in the game when Joel Robles came, came out a long way to the side of his goal when he didn't need to. And the other time was in this area as well, on the other side. And both times, I was going to say, both times he nearly got caught. One time he nearly got caught, and the other time he, he did get caught. That was a Seville derby then, Seville beating Betis uh, by that Yusuf Nesiri goal to nil. Let's move on and talk about Real Madrid's victory over Elche. It was, I mean, the first half was, was, it was oh, bad. It was awful, to be honest. It was bad. I don't think many people enjoyed it. I think quite a few people might have fallen asleep. It was, <laughs> you know, at the sort of siesta time in, in Spain. Uh, however... Real Madrid managing to get an absolutely vital win with another late goal, having scored in the 88th minute in the Madrid derby against Atletico the weekend before, having scored in the 86th minute, I think it was. No, 89, 89 against 89 Real minute against um, Real Sociedad, having scored in the 86th minute yeah, against Atalanta. Um, they did it again, and they have kept their season alive with those late goals. Where would they be without Karim Benzema? Well, we saw where they were, because well, he missed... Yeah, potentially, yeah. Would Sevilla be ahead of them? So, I mean, mind you, they're already only third, so I mean, I suppose... Oh, no, they're second, aren't they? Pending Barcelona's yeah. result tonight. Um, I think you, you look at... It's curious, isn't it? And we said this a lot this season, but Real Madrid might have the best midfield around, cross Modric's and, and, and Casemiro. 
And in theory, if you've got a great midfield, you're a really good team. And yet the weird thing is they've got these three great players who I think have all had pretty good seasons. Yeah. And yet the team isn't playing well, if you see what I mean. And that seems bizarre because then you add to it the centre-forward who's also playing brilliantly. So that's four players <laughs> and the goalkeeper. And maybe you could... Actually, you probably wouldn't chuck in anyone else, would you? But they, they, they're they a weird, flat team. They're a team that take the ball to a certain point on the pitch and then from there lack incisiveness, uh, a bit of an imagination at times. But Benzema has that. And and what I suppose one of the problems, of course, is that Benzema is having to play all over the place. He drop into the left, come very deep, go wide, open spaces for others to run into, but others don't always want to do so. Apart from Casemiro, who, by the way, is playing that kind of dual role of defensive midfielder and driving midfielder at the same time. Um, and the goal this weekend was just brilliant. Which one? Well, I meant the second the one. Second but one. the yeah. first one is a, is a really good header and he scored a lot of headers this year. Yeah. And Real Madrid are our team. And, Benzema you know, scored twice, by the way. Yes, yeah. sorry. Yeah. What was it? 74th and, and, and 92nd, I think. It yeah. Um, and he's got a lot of headers this year and this isn't meant to... You know, there's nothing wrong with crosses and headers and that shouldn't be denigrated. But it is kind of symptomatic that that's how Real Madrid gets so many of the goals. Corners, crosses from wide, headers, particularly set plays. I was struck by the fact that Elche got caught out by a short corner so easily. And it amazes me how often that happens to teams because it's the easiest thing to stop. Mm. Now, that's not to say that by definition, if you stop the short corner, they're not going to score from a corner delivered directly into the box, particularly when you've got someone like Cruz or someone like Modric who delivers a corner so well. But they were caught out by it and it's a nice header. But the, the winning goal is, is just brilliant. I mean, he, he flips it to the little, little touch of the outside of the boot to, to Rodrigo, whose pass back to him is with the chest. And he takes it. I'm not sure if he takes it on the volley or on the bounce. I think he hits it just on the bounce. And it absolutely flies into the corner off the post. Uh, it's a, he's a brilliant footballer. Mm-hmm. He really is a brilliant footballer at the moment in a team that, that gives him relatively little support. Uh, they started in a, in a 3-5-2 formation with, with, with three... Three central defenders with uh, Varane, Ramos and Nacho. Sergio Ramos making his uh, return from a couple of months out injured. I think it was a Spanish Super Cup, wasn't it, in in January last time he played. It was suggested on the radio that that was the reason for playing in this formation, to give him a little bit more protection. To be honest with you, I don't know this. I don't know if this might have been some sort of preparation for Atalanta or, or even for something he wants to do for the rest of the season. I don't honestly see what he gains by doing this. Well, I mean, we saw it at the start of the second half against uh, Real Sociedad when they conceded a goal and didn't look particularly good. Exactly, uh, they, in this formation. In this formation, yeah. and they quickly switched back to 4-3 through three and yeah. looked m- much better. The I, same happened in this as well when, when uh, Modric came on. And yes, went to, uh, Modric made a huge difference in this game. You know, Here we are talking about it being about Benzema, but Modric made a massive, massive difference to how they played. Um, I must admit, my reading of it, and it is only interpretive and it's from the outside, was this is his way of giving Sergio Ramos minutes, but trying not to expose him. Mm. That's what I thought. And I also thought, in part, how do I put this without it sounding really mean? You can be mean if you want. I thought it was slightly cowardly. (gasps) That was quite mean, Sid. I thought it was putting Ramos in and not daring to take one of the other two out who both deserve to stay on the side. Honestly, that's that's how I felt about it. I thought... This is you deciding not to take the decision that you probably need to take. Maybe that's not cowardly. Maybe that's, you know, just placating people. Oh, of course. And, oh, absolutely. Know. Oh, group management. Group yeah. management. Oh, cool. Right, I'm glad. So you it's found a better that. word for me. Cowardly yeah. is not the right word. Group management. Yeah. That's that's how I read it anyway. And, and look, as I say, it's purely interpretive. Mm-hmm. Um, Eden Hazard made his comeback from injury. And he's injured again today. I, I, 15 minutes he was on the pitch. I, 
I, I'm sort of at a loss um, to say anything about Hazard. Um, Zidane himself said at the weekend, didn't he? He said, look, trust me, when he's good, he's going to be the puta madre, which Zidane likes saying, which is effectively saying bloody brilliant. Uh, yeah. It's slightly more rude than that. Um, and I still think in terms of natural talent, that's probably true. But we just haven't seen it. And it's nearly two full seasons now. Well, it's not quite a full season this year, but it's not far off two full seasons now. It's two and, it's a season and three quarters nearly, isn't it? Yeah. And there's just been nothing. And I don't know whether to think that Hazard himself is doing things wrong, that maybe the, the, the rehabilitation is good, whether the medical services are doing something wrong, whether there's something wrong in the physical preparation, or whether it's just really, really bad luck. Um, my initial gut reaction is to feel really sorry for him but I don't know if it, he is partly complicit in, in this problem. Hmm. The good news for Real Madrid, uh, Rodrigo uh, coming on and providing a really good assist, his sixth assist of the season. I think he's a really talented player. I mean, I think he's, look, I know this is stating the obvious. I think he's technically much better than Vinicius. I think Vinicius is kind of more electric. He makes more things happen in terms of he gives you a, a sense that things are going to happen, even if they then don't. You know, the game gets stretched and gets opened up. But I think Rodrigo is very, very talented. And, and to be honest with you, my inclination, if I was in Zidane's position, would be to give him continuity now, to play him a lot and get him really fully, fully bedded into the into a forward line. He like, likes him. I mean, he does play he him. He does seem to like him, yeah. yeah but uh, And he, he seems to like him more than Vinicius, which I think is fair enough. Although, admittedly, I think there was a period in which maybe if you give him Vinicius continuity and confidence, you might have a really good Vinicius now as well. Mm-hmm. Let's see, big game for Real Madrid coming up on Tuesday night against Atalanta. Remember, they're 1-0 up from the first leg after that Furlan Mendy screamer. But they're up against a side that score lots of goals. Atalanta have got nothing to lose, no pressure on yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, for in, in terms of it being an exciting game, you kind of hope that Atalanta at least are true to themselves and that they go for it. And you're right, the fact that they have to go for it probably means they will. Mm. Uh, if you've got any questions you want to ask us, if we've not covered something that you want us to go in more detail on, please join us over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Send us a question and we will answer it on our Q&A pod, which we do every single Tuesday. We also do a bonus podcast on Thursdays as well. And we've got a new series of TSFP Presents out. It's called Sliding Doors, talking about the biggest... Uh, sliding doors moments in Spanish football history. Uh, a couple of episodes of that already out, and uh, it's going pretty well. People are liking it, Sydney. I seem so. Yes, is good. yes. You also get access to the full back catalogue of all the archives of all the podcasts we've previously done. So hundreds of hours worth of um, podcasting fun for you to enjoy. Gold, gold. It's all gold. Uh, that was Real Madrid against uh, Elche. Uh, the less said about that, the better. The less said about Getafe Atleti as well. Nil, nil. Although Atleti should have won this. Yeah, I mean, look. Um, one way of looking at this is to, to talk about fine fine margins, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but you look at these two games, two absolutely brilliant shots late on that hit the post. Benzema's hits the post and goes in, Suarez hits the post and comes out, and I must admit, Suarez's shot was so subtle that when he first did it, I didn't realise he'd even shot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a cross, but you watch it again, it's absolutely deliberate. Clipped over the goalie and it hits the post. If you turn those round, I know ifs and ands and pots and pans, and well, yes. it, but you turn those round... As it currently stands, you've got Real Madrid six points behind Atletico Madrid with a better head-to-head record. So if it finishes level, they would win. Um, and the league is very definitely on. Turn it the other way around. Real Madrid are 10 points behind Atletico Madrid and the league is definitely off for Real Madrid. Not definitely, but pretty close to definitely at this stage of the season. And that's the dividing line. Um, and Atletico Madrid have now dropped points in five of their last eight games. In all of those five games, you look at them all right. There's the defeat against Levante. 
but it's an 88th minute equaliser from Real Madrid. It's an 89th minute equaliser from Celta. In all of those games, they massively outshot their opponents in terms of the statistics. You look at the statistics and they're really very high, particularly the Levante game. I think it was 26 shots that day. So you can, I think, look at it in terms of a little bit of misfortune, not quite taking their chances at the weekend. David Soria made four or five very, very good saves. Dembele missed a really clear header late on. He absolutely should have scored. Um, and you can say it's a little bit unfortunate, but as we've been talking about all the way through the season, Atletico, partly because of the way they play, they create fine margins. And of course, if you create fine margins, you're occasionally going to get caught by those fine margins. The weird thing is, I actually think in a way they're almost playing better now than they were in that little run when they just about scraped past Alaves, just about <laughs> scraped past Granada, and there was someone else they beat 2-1 quite late on. I can't for the life Eibar. of me. Eibar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I enjoyed a comment from uh, one of our patrons on our Sliding Doors uh, episode who said, I'm looking forward to the episode uh, in uh, 20 years' time, which talks about the Sliding Doors moment of the FA ban on Kieran Trippier costing Atletico Madrid the, the title. Yeah. Who, who knows? Um, you must be pretty, feeling pretty confident, Sydney, because your hot take last week was Barca are title favourites which we all scoffed at. Was right now, do you feel like I'm right? I, I, don't, feel... know if it, I don't know if I'm right, but um, I, certainly, look, look at the trajectory of the two teams at the moment. Barca haven't lost in 16 games. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, right, at the risk of saying, saying something very stupid, they shouldn't lose tonight. No, they really, really, really shouldn't lose at home to the bottom side who they have never, never beaten them. But yeah. Um, what about uh, Getafe's record against Atletico? It's, it's comic, isn't it? 19 games, is it, I think, without a goal against Atletico Madrid? In all competitions. Which right? puts into... 10 years. Yeah, puts into perspective that Atletico really should have won this. Because even though Getafe are a team that make life difficult for you, Atletico started this game well, then faded and kind of got themselves dragged into Getafe's approach a little bit. Partly, I think, because for Atletico Madrid, that sort of, uh, if you like, a what would you call it, a context within which they coexist quite happily. Um, and then they didn't really accelerate till late on. And actually, in truth, I think you can make the case, I think there's only one chance before the red card. I think you mm. can make the case that says that Atletico didn't really accelerate and create clear chances until they were against 10 men. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they wouldn't have done it against who, 11, but they didn't. Who got sent off? Nyom, who got sent off for what? I thought you were going to say his name like you always uh, love sorry, saying it. Nyom, yeah. the fastest player in La Liga. Um, <laughs> Who got sent off for a challenge at first? I thought he was unlucky, and then I watched it back. It's, it's awful. It's uh, not a good challenge. It's really, really, <laughs> it's really bad. bad. I still think it's possible that he didn't intend to do it. Doesn't matter. But, but the, exactly. <laughs> but the nature of it is so awful. Um, Atletico heading to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea. They're one nil down. I've got a sneaky feeling they're going to win two one. I don't know why. I think they're going to go through. Wow, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? I think they're going to go through. I don't know why. Nothing really has led me to feel like this is a logical conclusion. Chelsea have kept five clean sheets in a row. They've kept clean sheets in 10 of their last 12 wow. games. Okay. 10 of their last 12. They keep another one there through. And Atletico misfiring at the weekend. I just, I don't know. I think it's got Diego Simeone masterclass written all over. I also think there is something to be said for Atletico being in a position to say, all right, no half measures here. No wondering whether we stick or twist. Yeah. We go for this. Yeah. And I don't think they're a bad team. I, here's a question for you. And I'd love to know actually what our, our you listeners... You don't think Atletico Madrid are a bad team? No, they're not a bad team at all. That's what I mean. No, exactly. I was but what I mean is they're not a bad team when they, carry, when they carry the right. carry the ball to the opposition okay. is what I mean. They're not just a, a, a defensive team. But here's a question for our listeners because I'd really love to know what they think. Because I don't even know what I think. So I sort of want you to tell me how to <laughs> feel about this. Is Carrasco brilliant? Or is he really not very good at all? 
because I watch him game after game. There's a few players we were not yeah, sure about. Carry the weight of their attack on the left, but carry it up to a point, and then so I sort of feel like nothing much really happens at that point. And I think it's partly because he's on his wrong foot, but he's unlike a lot of right-footed players who play on the left. He doesn't come inside early and come across the pitch. He keeps going in that outside left channel until the point at which there's no longer time to come back on your right foot. And so I don't know if that's so part is that a question of, it. of footballing intelligence, which he doesn't necessarily have. Or the kind of spaces that he has in front of him because of the points at which he picks up the ball. It right. might not be purely about him. Um, it might be about you know, the mechanics and the occupation of space yeah. around him. I, so I'm, 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 I'm sort of... Yeah, I'm sort of undecided on him still. Uh, Sydney is on the Twitter, at Sid Lowe, if you want to send him your uh, yeah. thoughts on Please Yannick Please don't Carrasco. abuse me. No, uh, but there we go. Uh, all right, uh, quick word about Barca and the new president, Joan Laporta, who's lost key man, Jaume Giro, Giro who was uh, going to be his financial uh, VP. Yeah. How much of a blow is this? I think that this is... Really, really significant. I mean, Sid um, has put a really serious face on yeah, it. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Giro is the guy that was behind the idea of this idea he had of the bonus of people buying into into athlete, into into Barcelona, right? As a as a measure to overcome some of the financial crisis, he he's absolutely vital, in theory at least, for the presentation of the aval, the bank guarantee that means that they can even take possession of the presidency. If he's not there, first of all, you have to ask questions about why this didn't happen and what that tells you about the internal mechanics of, of this candidacy this early. Although, obviously, on one level, you could say, well, at least it's better resolved now than once they're in the club and, and it blows up maybe six months down the track. And then you ask that question about what does it mean for the aval? What happens if they now can't get that aval paid? Which would be... I mean, Barcelona have lurched from crisis to crisis. How that, much is it? £120 million? Ah, uh, you've actually caught me on the hop. I've got a feeling okay. it's more like 170. But okay. I must confess, off the top of my head, I can't remember okay. the amount. It's all right. It's a lot. If they, if they can't present it, they can't take possession. Wow, what another twist that would be. Wow, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a it's been a very entertaining series. <laughs> it has, yeah. Barca, FC Barca, and uh, there could be another twist. Uh, all right, uh, shall we mention the Spain squad? Yeah, go on then. Well, there have been some interesting names uh, in Luis Enrique's uh, squad for... For next week, which one caught your eye the most? Well, I mean, the one I'd never heard of. Robert I'm Sanchez? Gonna be, I'm going to be absolutely honest with Bobby you. Bobby Sanchez? Yeah, Bobby Sanchez. Brighton stopper. I, I Brighton ace. I apologise. No I idea. really do apologise. I, no I genuinely didn't know anything about him. Yes. Apparently he's very good. We've had lots of messages. Oh, I hope so. He's in the space. Yes. What this does do is it tells you something about Luis Enrique, by the way. It does, doesn't it? He yeah, doesn't yeah. piss about. If you think someone's good enough, that's it. Fine. Um... Other interesting names, including Pedro Porro. Yeah. What's he doing? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, interesting. Uh, obviously, Pedri. Pedri is, the, is and, and Jordi Alba, I suppose, given the history between Luis Enrique and Jordi Alba, maybe there was a slight potential for, for that not to happen. So that's that's pleasing. And of course, Brian, Brian Hill. Hill. Yeah. Yeah, good good to see him there as well. So, uh, yeah. I like Brian Hill. He's, he's different. Um Mind you, I think Spain have got quite a lot of players who are a bit different. So I, I, I was I was thinking this the other day about about you know just the quality of the squad because mm. when we were talking about Marco Chavente, for example, who is in, yeah. who is in, but you were sort of thinking, okay, so that's your midfield. But wait a minute, so what, Marco Chavente? I mean, who who are your midfielders? There's a lot of very good midfielders there, and there's a very good one who's not in the squad who probably should be, Mikel Marina. Mikel Marina is not in it, and there's no real reason for him not to be in it, except of course for the. 
excuse me, for the quality of the players who are. Uh, this is the squad. Uh, De Gea, Unai Simon and our mate Bobby Sanchez. Then Pedro Porro, Eric Garcia, uh, Ramos, Diego Llorente, Inigo Martinez, uh, Alba and Gaia are the defenders. Mm. Busquets, Rodri, uh, Thiago, Pedri, Marcos Llorente, Canales, Coque, uh, Fabian are the midfielders. It's quite a tasty midfield, that, isn't it? Pretty decent. And then uh, Gerard Moreno, Ferran Torres, uh, Mikel uh, Oyarzabal, Morata, Brian Hill and Danny Olmo. Danny Olmo. Yeah, not, not a huge surprise. Maybe if someone was going to drop out from the forwards, you'd say possibly Danny Olmo, but he played very, very well, I thought, against Germany. Um, one brief one, just because I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. Yeah. A lot of people saying, well, how on earth can Sergio Reguilón not be in there? In response to that, again, I'll ask a question because, of course, we're watching it more from here than from the UK. Both Gaia and Alba feel to us at least I would I would say as shoo-ins but we haven't seen enough of Regulon I just don't know if he's if he's really been at the very top of his game for Spurs Spurs fans tell us I mean Gaia is first choice isn't he I would think so yeah although who knows because of Alba's performances recently who knows maybe it would be Alba I don't know hmm. uh, there we go Spain uh, in action next week they go to they, they go to Granada and they go to Seville and then they go away um, which is, is the away is the middle game isn't it I think no, away's the first one. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to the one in Granada. Obviously, it's the TSFP derby. It's uh, Spain against Greece. Yes, it is. You didn't invite me. I didn't invite you. You I said mean, Kitro. If I, could, if, I could, if I could get you accredited, I would happily take you along. I don't need to be accredited. I just need You're to, just Kitro. I'll just keep you um You know what? Company. I am going to... Um, I'm going to try and reserve a room in the normal hotel, which is quite often at Los Cardamis, the yeah. hotel where the away team goes. So maybe I could hobnob it with the Greece team. You're gonna, you're Although, gonna... given COVID regulations, I imagine I won't be allowed anywhere near them. You're going to get our special room. <laughs> <laughs> our magical room. I, had some, I did my year abroad in Granada, so obviously I have many magical memories. Although none of them involve Sydney. No, no. No, that's a terrible tragedy. Uh, in the Segunda this week, it was a big weekend at the top of the table. Leaders Mallorca lost 2-0 at Sporting, who are fifth and Mallorca stay top. Second place, Espanyol drew 2-2 at Mirandes. Almeria will overtake them if they avoid defeat tonight at Alcorcón. Unfortunately, Leganés were fourth, 1-3-1 at Oviedo. And on Friday night, Rio came from 2-0 down at home to beat Zaragoza 3-2 yes. at Vallecas did you enjoy that? <laughs> so I was watching uh, Rio 2-0 down after about uh, 25 minutes and I, you gave up I said I'm not watching this that's it it's Friday night I'm, I'm not wasting my time here and then I realised they were 3-2 up and I put on the last 20 minutes um, and watched them see out the victory but I didn't see any of their goals so I missed all their goals so you didn't even get the chance to properly enjoy it no but anyway uh, a, a good great victory for, uh, for Rio this week then tonight you've got Barca against Wesker and then on Tuesday Real Madrid against Atalanta Wednesday Chelsea against Atleti and Sevilla Elche. Then on Thursday, in the Europa League, uh, Granada travelling to Norway to take on Molde. Villarreal hosting Dinamo Kiev. Both Spanish sides in uh, good positions in their respective ties. Yes. They should, fingers crossed, make it through to the next round. Uh, as I said, don't miss the second episode of our new TSFP Presents series, Sliding Doors, over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We talk the biggest turning point goals in Spanish football history. There's a clip here on the Monday podcast feed, so um, you should very much check that out and then come and join us at patreon.com forward slash TSFP for loads and loads of Spanish football content. If not, don't worry. We'll be here, as always, on a Monday, in a Skoda, talking about rubbish Spanish football. See ya. Cheerio.